This episode is brought to you by Iconic Luxury Streetwear. Iconic Luxury Streetwear is a multidisciplinary experiment founded by the Tava Brothers, established in 2020. A clothing brand that has a thesis of a vision birthed reality, rooted in God created all in his image. Get your merchandise at IconicLuxuryStreetwear.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of Iconic Conversations. Um, I'm your host, Tanaki Shana Sutava, and today I have a very special guest <laughs> to my heart. Um, she is a change maker. She's going to save the earth one day. <laughs> I say that all the, all the time, but I'm going to give a more formal introduction. Um, Sanika Bahave is an environmentalist venture capitalist and a graduate at the United University of Texas at Austin, double major in Canfield Business Honors and Plan 2 in Management Information Systems and Art History. And she's a firm believer in people and has sought to realize the power that comes with community, intersection, policy, technology, business, whether it's by working on impact investing, policy, or social entrepreneurship. She co-founded the Austin Ventures Strategy, an undergraduate venture capital organization working to make venture capital and startup ecosystem more accessible to all. And she co-founded the CBHP Impact Network, which is working towards creating a more impact-minded business honors community and much more. And she's only 22? Yeah. <laughs> only 22. And uh, But we're not going to talk about work <laughs> or her stuff because I just want to talk about her being. So I just wanted to introduce you that way. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Very kind. Um, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. But outside of that, Tonka, um, who are you? <laughs> You're going to go dive into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> who am I? Um, I think part of me is exactly what you gave an intro to. I'm a recent graduate. I'm newly in corporate America. I'm someone that has a lot of interests and is figuring out how to balance them between work and my personal life. Um, but I think when people ask who I am, the most instinctual answer is that I'm a daughter of immigrants. And I don't even mean that in any sort of like grandstanding, like this is my story way, but I feel it so deeply yeah. to my identity and the way that it's shaped so much of my life. And um, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a daughter of two immigrants who have sacrificed a lot for me to be here, mm. um, who have instilled in me a lot of values. One of them, which is being really protective of this earth and treasuring the community that um, I come from, whether that be physical, again, with the earth or just otherwise with the people and connections I've been able to make. Um, they're people that really push me to be hundred percent of myself through yeah. work or otherwise. And yeah, I think that's who I am. I'm I'm the daughter of my parents and the person that they've pushed me to be. Yeah. You're the oldest, right? I'm the oldest. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. We got that in common. I don't know, like when we first met, I was like, yo, there's something different about this person, about who you are. Um, I remember when we were met at the office, uh, yeah, it, it, like like orientation yeah. day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to India. And I'm like, okay, she's here. <laughs> and then after that, I'm not sure to see her again. But I'm like, okay, well, she's dope. Um, but I don't know. Like, that's so crazy to see how you landed where you are today. But um, 
the one thing I've always been wondering, like how you see it, is like, how's your heart as of late? Um, I was telling you in the car as we were headed over here that I feel like I've been experiencing life in all of its richness mm -hmm. recently, whether that be good or bad or worrisome or joyful. And I think that's how my heart has been. Mm -hmm. um, there have been a lot of situations I've had to navigate that I've never had to before, just as a product of like, prior to this, my only responsibility was to like, be a student and also be a daughter. And now I'm an employee. I'm also a roommate. I'm also like a lot of things. Um, I'm also a friend, like an adult friend to adult people who all mm -hmm. have adult lifestyles, which is very different from when we were in college. Um, so my heart's been, it's been changing or it's been learning to navigate all those changes and like high emotion points and high stress points. Um, yeah, I hope that was a good answer. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. it's like, I don't know how she is, but yeah. she's been going through a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's real. And like, I think everything that has happened in the past year and a half, right? Mm -hmm. So crazy that you're like you're 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 just 22. I'm just 24, right? Yeah. But like that post grad, you know, everybody talks about okay, well, post grad mm, dip or mm -hmm. something like that, that nature. But um, how was like? All right, now let's get back to it. I want to picture. What was the difference between senior year you in mm -hmm. high school? Oh god! And then after that, you know, now postgrad almost it hasn't even been a year. Yeah, like it'll be a yeah. year in May, but it then it's be. like, how do you feel like what what type of growth do you feel like was the most monumental and um, the one that's shown shown throughout the most? It's really funny that you ask like who I was or yeah, who I was like senior year of high school as a baseline, because I think dissimilar to a lot of my peers throughout college, I found myself trying to go back to the person I was like mm. senior year of high school. And I think it was just because like, I think about May senior year of high school, I finally have the pieces of the next four years figured out. I know where I'm going to go to college. I know what city I'm going to be in. I know what I'm studying. Um, and I've done so much work that has led up to that point, both like academically, personally, et cetera. <clears throat> and I also had this level of, I guess, like enthusiasm and confidence in not just myself and what I was capable of, but also about the world that college is really challenging. And I think it rightly so forces you to challenge a lot of that optimism and the ways that you see the world. But I think in that process, I lost a lot of those feelings about myself. Mm. And I spent a lot of college trying to go back to me, who was like so sure that I could land on my feet, that I could navigate any situation that was thrown at me um, with grace or with humility, like both things that I had to learn throughout college. And it, when I think back to who I was then compared to who I am now, I think I'm I'm very similar to her. I think mm. that I've been able to regain some of that. And so maybe not the answer that you were yeah, looking no, for no, because no, no. I think that parts of me are not very different. I think that now I've really found my voice and I'm pretty quick to speak up if I disagree with something. Um, I'm still very curious and try to learn about everything as much as possible. Um, I still prioritize people over everything else. Mm. 
Um, and those are all things that I think I didn't do as much during college. Mm. Um, I've definitely learned nuance in how to go about it compared to how I went about it in high school. But yeah, I think that a lot of those core core qualities are still there. Mm. So <laughs> talk about nuance. Yeah, I'm, I'm just taking a little break because I'm just... Mm-hmm. It's Japanese philosophy, like when in conversation, like, you know, the way that Americans converse and the Japanese converse, Japanese let people talk, they sit. Americans, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and so like me practicing this, I'm just like really like taking it in and, and receiving what you said and, you know, nuance, right? Because I guess mm-hmm. when we're younger, like myself included, it was like, hey, <clears throat> everything was black or white <laughs> yeah and then there's a lot but now as we get older that we realize that it's it is more nuance mm-hmm. what does it mean to stand for something what does it mean to find your voice mm-hmm. and so my question for you is what was the first time that you did find your voice and what, and what did you speak out about against mm. first time i found my voice um <clears throat> It's an interesting question because I think to people that knew me as a kid and even to myself, I think I was a pretty quiet kid. Like I, I think people that know me now compared to people that have known me since childhood have like seen a progression. Um, but I think maybe the first time that I was so public facing with how I felt about things was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I went to a school in Dallas that has been wrought with a couple of social challenges in the last couple of years, to put it lightly, but um, my it was actually my freshman year. Um, two students released like a racist rap where they talked about a lot of people, a lot of communities experience some really experiencing some really awful things Mm. and our high school had a couple of walkouts like the one higher administrative person that supported us was let go from the school and it was just like such a tumultuous time where all of us were feeling like really big feelings too big for like you know like our our bodies and we didn't know how to talk about them and we didn't feel like we could talk about them to each other and so Um, I don't remember if it was my freshman year or my sophomore year after that. Um, I got a couple of my friends together and we started this organization called Student Forum where we just met once a week after school to have like an open forum of discussion for everything that was going on, not just at the school, but like nationally. And like this is around the time of the 2016 election. Like there's so much going on. And I think me just even being able to like moderate those town halls almost and help us create projects. We put on the school's first multicultural like fair. Um, we created like poster boards of all the candidates that were running for the 2016 election with like their policies and put them up in the library so like people could see. We like got seniors registered to vote. I think that was the first time where I felt like I was able to turn my thoughts about something into an action. Mm. And I think it really was just driven by this sense of like hopelessness that I and so many of my friends are feeling where it's like, well, I feel like this. Do you feel like that? Like, I think this, do you think that? Like, what, what if we like shared that together or yeah, it just like 
helping carry burden mm. and carrying it across community, I think is what I felt. And I've wanted to do that ever since. Yeah. And, and so the activism bone of just being able to like try to take action, no matter the whatever spoken, like, where does that come from? <laughs> like, honestly, like, because it's, I guess it has to take a, a certain level of DNA to care. Like, why, like, why do you care so much? <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope that I didn't want to come Why do you care so much? But no, I'm like, no, like, legitimately. No, I get it. Yeah. And, like, I've thought about it too, because to what I said earlier, like, I was a quiet kid. I wasn't, I don't think anyone expected this. Yeah. Um, like, let alone myself, but I think from childhood, have I've had a real fascination with government and policy and it stems from the fact that my parents are immigrants like mm. i remember being like like six like sitting with my mom as she's going through the materials that she needs to study in order to get her citizenship like i'm i, I grew up in california and i'm very conscious of all the diversity around me that until i came to texas like was just something that i didn't have to think twice about you know like that was just my community those were my people and from a young age, I was just always very conscious of what was possible for me to be able to live this life. And I think I've always felt that, like, I didn't do anything special to deserve this, you know, like my parents did. They put in this work. And so it is on me to try to use this privilege to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, and that has always, in my mind, crystallized as, like, words. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because... That's just how I found my voice. I read a lot. It's yeah. been through government and policy. And then I found that like activism was inextricably linked to that. And that was my first kind of like foray into, into that, I think. But more recently to the DNA point, um, I have been reading up on family history and my um, great granduncle was like a revolutionary writer like during india's independence movement mm. um and not all of him was perfect but i think that spirit of of using your words and relying on your community to drive change is deeply culturally instilled for me mm. and also um familially wow how did you how did you find out about that how did you find out <laughs> um my my dad's pretty proud of it. <laughs> we have a couple yeah. of his books at home, but yeah. oh, so he's published. Yeah, so but, big um, dime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, it's just um. I think my parents and my culture I owe a lot to, and there is that idea of like looking after one another and mm -hmm. cherishing everyone in it, and so yeah, that's real. That is real. I'm just gonna take a second just to like think about that, Joe, because like you have that lineage already flowing through you, and you're already doing it in the ways that you've done it. You've been an activist. You've been like you're somebody that like starts and does stuff. And um, in so with that, when it comes to starting something, there's always like some nuances and challenges and. So I guess what has been the what was the biggest challenge of like the organizations that you started, and how do how were you able to like respond in the face of adversity? Mm. Um, I think this is something that maybe you can relate to, and I think we've talked about before. 
But part of building something is really crafting a vision yeah. around it and being able to sell that vision. Yeah. And I think you and I are great at that vision setting creation portion and also the communication of it. But delivering on it is important. It's hard. It's hard. It's important. And <laughs> it's, it's what like... matters the most to everyone at the end, right? Yeah. And I think like truthfully a lot of the times in the past like i've set expectations i've set a vision i've set a goal and in actuality what we've been able to achieve does not measure up mm -hmm. to what we intended to do to begin with and that's hard that's something you have to sit with and you have to have the right nuance to appreciate and evaluate like it's not immediately i'm a failure it's i failed to execute on these three things mm -hmm. but i did these three things mm -hmm. and um <clears throat> I think understanding that and also adjusting even the way that I talk or understanding what is possible or feasible is something that I've had to navigate. And even at work, like the amount of projects that you take on and the visions you have, like you and I workshopped so many ideas um, yeah, 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 <laughs> in like yeah. the first two months of our job. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and like, honestly, did we do any of them? No. But it's that fine balance of like wanting to do so many things with knowing what is actually feasible and then being honest at the end with what you did achieve, even if it is embarrassing. Um, yeah, I think that's where like a lot of humility comes in. Mm. And I think it's a little easier to navigate the student level where, you know, like consequences aren't too much, but I'm learning how to reconcile all of this with like a professional career going forward and mm. like commitments you make mm. and all of that. Mm. And then I'll, I'll, you know, the table stakes have like always like switch as you go. Mm -hmm. I don't know, get older, but I think it's just a concept and we just throw it away and people just forgot how to be kids. Yeah. That's, that's like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's not, nothing's as serious as it is, but also it's kind of serious too. But then like, it's just a made up concept. Da, da, da. But I'm really like how you said like, when you talked about, I didn't accomplish this, this, and this, but I did accomplish this, 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 and this. How did you learn how to reframe that? Because most, I think most people in life don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And like, it takes a very special person to realize that context, especially at our very young ages, right? In order to think like that. How did you, how were you able to cultivate or grow the mindset for you to get there? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of personal, like, experiences um jt one of our friends colleagues <clears throat> he always says to me that business is personal and i think he's right and mm. i always had a tendency growing up and i mean up until recently i don't think i've completely unlearned it is just to view things as completely black or white mm. whether that be people's actions towards you whether it be your own actions whether it be like states of the world and nothing is black and white. It's all shades of gray. And I had to take that approach to my work. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just this. It's also this and this and this and this. And it's learning to be okay with all of the uncertainty, all of the complexity, all of the even drama that can come with it. Yeah. And it really stemmed from the experiences I had in my personal life and interpersonal relationships that were difficult, whether they be friendships or familial or you know, like romantic, like anything, realizing that people are all shades of gray in the same way that you're shades of gray. Yeah. Um, 
And part of it was being getting comfortable with the idea that people won't like you. And yeah. I am not completely there yet to yeah. like completely embracing that idea. I think at my core, I am a people pleaser. And um, I also have a hard time holding negative emotions um, without seeing them as criticism, yeah. <laughs> which is like eldest daughter of immigrant parents, classic trope. Um, and learning that you will always be the villain in someone else's story. Yeah. And you will have to learn to live with that so long as you don't intentionally try to be has been really helpful in how I approach my work. Mm. Because when you can at least attempt to put the blinders on and try to look away from like, or not look away, I guess what I'm saying is contradictory, but I guess like just being able to look at a project and be able to see it and accept the fact that it will be complex, it will be all of these things, and you just have to be okay with it, yeah. then at least for the moment, you can forego all these things and just do the task that you need to do. Right. And at the same time, when you're doing a post-mortem on whatever project you've done, if you can accept, like, okay, like, I did this, but I didn't do that, and just accept that, mm -hmm. you can move on to the next thing mm -hmm. and be able to have your blinders on and just focus. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like that. And... It's, but it's hard, though, because people are complex and nuances and disagreements and trying to figure things out, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, it, it, you know, communication. You know, I think I'm reading this book right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to show you to after the car. It's really, really Perfect. dope. I got this book from my a, a great friend. Shout out Albert Prewitt, um, Free Water. Uh, I love those guys. <laughs> but nah, but like he gave me the book, The Creative Act, The Way of Being by Rick Rubin. Mm. Rick Rubin, if nobody knows. One of the greatest producers or the producer's producer, even though he has no technical aptitude of producing, he doesn't know how to use the standard third. He's just like there to curate the vibe. Mm -hmm. But like people go to him yeah. like, oh, but he's like so zen, right? Yeah. Like when I look at, okay, who are people that like just him and his embodying like his, his nuance and his creativity. Okay, cool. But most of the time where most people get into arguments or anything of that nature is because of, disagree of disagreement and disagreement really comes because of a lot of communication or um, our communication channels are blurred. Mm -hmm. And I mean, shit, I'm, I'm going through that with my own life all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and like <laughs> the ability to communicate and try to figure out where how people move and, and whatnot. So I guess when in that talking about your mindset of like equating, putting on the blinders or whatever, how, do, are, how are you able to like, now I'm really genuinely trying to learn from you mm -hmm. like, A, what did I do or what, like, how do you like package that mm -hmm. to like then move on to do that? Mm -hmm. Or I guess process that to say, Hey, I'm just going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and I'd love to learn from you too, because I don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. Like, I think I'm still on this journey. Um, I mean, I can think of like two instances in like literally last week where I fucked up like personally and professionally, you know? Mm. And um that is like just sorry. Also sorry if I no, can no, curse no, on no, 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 yeah, you can, you can, you okay, can, you okay, can okay. You, be, um, whoever you are. You're good. Yeah. Well I mean like I'm I'm still learning. Yeah. But I think what I can do is come to those people and apologize and ask for grace and try to improve going forward. And I think getting that reassurance and validation from people I love helps me get better at putting on those blinders. Like, you know that story of how Abraham Lincoln, like in his top hat, would like take newspaper clippings 
of like people saying good things about him and he carried it with him as like reassurance mm. for me that's what surrounding myself with people and being able to lean on them in terms in times of hardship is like like they help me my community helps me put those blinders on mm. with like the reassurance of a why i'm doing this i'm doing it for them b that i can do this because they've seen me in the past and they know who i am yep. um and see, they help me define what it is that I want to do just by having conversations with me and by thinking out loud through the stuff that I'm going through because the personal affects the professional always. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think that is how I put the blinders on is investing in people around me. Like right. friendships are important. I think building a better relationship with your parents is important. I struggled with that for a while. And I don't think it was until like this past summer when I went to India with my mom um, which is that trip you were talking about earlier. It was the first time that I had traveled with one of my parents or my parents as like a true adult. Like I mm. had graduated, I was financially independent, like all this stuff. Um, and I really got to see my mom interact with my grandparents and like all this stuff in India and all the stories she was telling me because it was just us. It wasn't my dad and my sister too. That this sounds so like crazy, but it hit me for the first time that like, my parents are people too that had a complete life, had complete dreams, aspirations, emotions before me, during me, and like after me in the sense of like when I'm gone to college, when I'm in Austin working, and even just being able to see my mom as someone that was 22, that was navigating like this own new professional career journey for her, like this big move to America that I was like, wow, like this is someone that I really want to learn from in a way that isn't just a traditional parent-child relationship too, because she's also someone that knows to some level what I'm going through in the same way that my my, my friends do. Mm. And so I think it's a combination of like really investing in, like I said, like friendships, parent relationships, sibling relationships, yeah. professional relationships. Yeah. Like we're friends. Yeah. We met through work, but we're yeah. friends. Yeah. So are we friends? Okay. I just had to I just had to like like what I was gonna say was okay, that's really good. So what has been the what has been the top thing that you learned from your mom, mm -hmm. the top thing that you learned from your dad, and then the top thing that you learned from your sister? Ooh. <clears throat> I think my mom is the definition of quiet strength. I think she is like the most strong person I will ever meet and I've ever had the privilege to know. And you won't see it in the way that she comes across. Yeah. Um, but you feel it through the stories you hear about her past, the ways in which she interacts with people. Like, I think about my mom immigrating to America with like a guy she like kind of knew had just married, um, literally studying to redo residency here because like her med school degree was invalid since mm -hmm. she'd immigrated here. She moved to New York alone with me as a baby um, just so that she could finish out her residency. And like, I'm thinking about this woman who had just moved to America in Brooklyn with a, like a child trying to do residency, being an immigrant in the 90s, um, learning how to parallel park in the streets of New York, like all the stuff that she's gone through and everything she's done for me and my sister. And even the way she's like navigated 
life, like as we've been growing up, she has taught me that um, being quiet is is not a weakness. It's a strength. And using that time to center in on yourself, drawing up from your own reserves and moving in a way that like maybe people don't expect of you, but they will respect you for it is something that I've learned from her, if that makes sense. And um, maybe in a way that's what's influenced my progression. Like I was a very quiet kid um, and it gave me time to really build up who I was. And even now, like, I think I hesitate to, to make sudden moves without working on them in quiet and silence for a really long time. Um, just from what I've learned about her and the way that she shows strength from my dad. Um, I think he's like the most analytical person that I know. I mentioned this in my TED talk, but he yeah, like casually. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. No, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I say it because like, it's such an important aspect of my life and upbringing that like yeah, I had yeah. to mention it yeah. in those like 15 minutes that I was given to talk about like literally environmentalism, you know, yeah, 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 but yeah. it's because it's rooted to how I see the world. He growing up would like pick a different um, household object and make me sit down for like 15 minutes and analyze how it worked. Like I remember one day it was like a ceiling fan and I had to come back and like without looking anything up, like explain to him how I thought it worked. And he would make me do that for a lot of different like objects. Yeah. And I like hated the exercise. Like I'm not a naturally like, like um, I'm not a tactile learner. Like I'm not, I'm not any of those things. So all of that was like really hard for me. Um, but between that and like another thing he made me do growing up was that I had to read a different Wikipedia article every day and like give him like a news report at yeah. dinner at the end of the night. Yeah. He just instilled in me a hunger to like be curious and yeah. learn about everything, yeah, 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 yeah. to talk about it concisely and accurately mm -hmm. and um, to do so in a way that was like analytical yeah. about how it worked and like always questioning like, well, why is it that way? Like, does it need to be? Like, is it functional or is it just like, like frivolous, you know, like just for like aesthetics or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's always a purpose. There's yeah. always a purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The bad immigrant <clears throat> fathers, man, they be analytical. Anal <laughs> they do that. They do that. Yeah, that's my dad. Um, my sister. I cherish my sister more than anything in the world, which I think you can relate to being yeah. like an an elder sibling. Um. I think from my sister, I've learned the value of just being present. So my sister and I have a six-year age gap, which growing up meant that like we honestly weren't very close because when I was like, you know, at the age where I like wanted to plan, I wanted like a buddy, she was way too young. Yeah. And then by the time she was of that age, I was like in high school on like late nights, like homework, like always out for debate or whatever. And... I really, looking back, I feel bad at the way I treated her, honestly. Um, I would come home from, like, school or whatever, and she would have, like, left notes all around, like, my desk. I remember, like, it's still up in my room at home, but by the light switch, she had made, like, a little mailbox, and she would, like, write, like, little notes for me and drop them in there, and she would always want me to do the same for her, and I never would. Mm. And she would always be, like, making things and leaving them there. And, like, at the time, I was, like, like, oh, like, she's so young. Like, this is annoying, whatever. And it wasn't until that I was kind of out of that headspace, the whole teenager, like whatever, and I'd gone to college that I realized, 
A, how much I missed it. B, how much it meant to me more than I had known in the moment. And see what that like kind of persistent showing of someone that you're there for them does for someone. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was linked to like in college, me losing my sense of identity and like yeah. all those things I mentioned at the beginning of this. Um, yeah, my sister really showed me how you can do that for people and the impact that it has on them. And hopefully, like I've been trying and hopefully succeeding and doing that for her because she's at that age now where like I'm texting her every day being like, when can you FaceTime? And she's like, I'm busy. And like, I go home and I'm like catering to her schedule. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's really what she's taught me. Yeah, that's really beautiful. To quiet strength, <clears throat> yeah, make moves in silence, to analyze, to think, and to be present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's that's really good. Well, thank you for that question. I've never thought about that before. That's why and I like asking questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Wow, man. So, as we wrap up the pod, wow. The, the, Holy like, cow! Yeah, 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 yeah. As we wrap up the pod, um, this is like like the last um, you know questions that I usually ask the guests. So the first one is, if, I don't know, I always think about this, but if you were to, if you were to do everything all over again, what would you do, do different your whole life? What's one thing that you feel like that you would, like not, not a regret, but like, if you would, if you had the opportunity to, would you do anything different or would you choose any moment that you would like try to tweak? No, I don't think I would do anything differently because yeah. for better or for worse, everything's brought me to this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of what I wish I would have done, but I'd rather I apply that now moving forward, yeah. you know, than think yeah. about the multitude of ways my life could have changed. Yeah. The one thing that I probably would have done is um, – Think spend more time with my family and be more intentional about the time I spent with them or I do spend with them. And yeah, kind of like seeing my parents as people too. Mm. I think that might've helped my relationship with them a lot too growing up. Of course, this is like from an adult's perspective compared to like 15 year olds. It's really hard to expect that of her. But earlier we talked about how people are complex mm. and our parents are too. And that doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them people. Mm. And I really value my family. And yeah. Yeah, nothing I would change, but things I will take to heart and do better going forward. Mm. That's a good answer. <laughs> that, that That's a that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> you know, like, not as cheesy as, oh, whatever, but like, I wouldn't change in the different, but then the explanation to how you answer that question is really, really good. I like that. Thank you. Um, Second thing was, what is something, what is something that you stand on that is bigger than yourself? No, I saw this on Twitter, but it's just like you know, when when people like this guy asked people like, what is something that you stand for outside of that yourself that you're willing to like be in the hill? Mm -hmm. And and then he said like that question makes people squirm. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess like it's different because of what's just the way that how we lead our lives and how we move and how we think about the world mm-hmm. and how we want to continue to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's a question I would normally ask people. But then, of course, most people be like, oh, well, well that's so deep, bro. I don't even know. And then, yeah. like, they say my family or something. I don't know. Is that is that anything that you would consider? Yeah. <clears throat> community. Yeah, community. Like, without a doubt. Um, I um, I saw this movie earlier this week. And um, what was it called? It was called Of an Age. Oh. Um, I was at Bookwoman. Have you been there? Ah, uh, Bookwoman. Uh huh. No, 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 no. Love Bookwoman. Um, it's like an independent bookstore that prioritizes featuring like female, queer, like BIPOC yeah. writers. Yeah. And when I was there at the checkout, I just saw this thing for a movie screening that they were doing, and it's like this Australian independent film <clears throat> that's only being shown a couple of places and I went with a friend and it was a coming of age story and it was like a romance like all the traditional tropes but I found myself crying at it and like you know I'm a sap but this one especially got me because I was walking out of the theater and I found myself tearing up on the cried home and then I kept tearing up because I realized that like how beautiful is it that someone I have never met, that I will never meet, has created something that resonates so strongly with me because we all more or less experience the same things in our lives. Like, this is so beautiful and I'm so happy I'm able to experience it. And this like collective experience, this feeling of community is something I want to experience for the rest of my life. And it would destroy me if that was ever like, um, adultered, you know, or like compromised by someone. And like, I think that is what makes me want to be an activist or whatever that like phrase is, or just like try to create action around people, events, things that endanger that for people, like being able to access that collective experience, that community spirit. So my answer is community. Yeah, that's a good answer. And no, like that's not like not again. You got some good answers that are not cheesy. Like they, like, but in essence, they would be considered cheesy, but they're not cheesy because like they're real answers back behind them. And then, what was like, what was the what was the moment that brought you like the most joy in twenty twenty two? Um, I just feel like such a cheesy sap, but. I was, I had the opportunity to travel at the end of last year and I took some time off after the professional aspect of the trip and through the professional experience, I made some incredible friends and I had like a whole itinerary planned throughout Europe and one of them spontaneously like was like, wait, I'll come with you. Like, let's just get on the train tomorrow and go. And I remember spending like the day in Salzburg with her and we ended the day sitting on the banks of the Salzac and like we were eating lemon cake and we were playing we're not really strangers and they need to sponsor us at this point (laughs) um and we started talking about a few things where it made me realize again that like we all more or less have problems with our family our friends our job our own like imposter syndrome our own self-worth all around the world like it's all the same like i was having this conversation with christina and i was like i could be having this with my friends back home who have known for a lot longer than a week you know and that moment gave me so much joy that i was like this is a friendship that i'll have for the rest of my life even though i don't know when i'll see her 
again. again. But we're all the same. We're all the same. So cheesy, but yeah, it's so true. Are we all the same? Nah, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna use that question. You know, like <laughs> there's a question like you know, do like do like Jay Shetty and all of them be like, oh hey, well, like what's the one thing, what the message of the world? But there's enough of that BS out there, like um, whatever. Like, what what are you enjoying right now? That's my question. For, mm. That's my last question for the show. What is what are like in this moment in this life? Like, what are you enjoying? Mm. Wow. Um, I'm enjoying learning new things about myself and finding new things that I'm capable of. I just started running. Turn up. Congratulations. Thank you. Didn't know I would be a runner, but I am. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did a 5K this morning. Yeah. Wow. Why would those words have come out of my mouth? <laughs> like ever previously, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was 29 degrees yeah. this morning. Yeah. Um, And I just always brushed aside as something that I couldn't do. And a really good friend called me last week and was like, you're going to do this. And like, he's been like, Helping me through it. Accountability. Um, accountability and like experiencing things that I never really like. Like I was like, I could maybe do it, but knowing now that I can do it, mm. really enjoying that. Um, I am volunteering to garden tomorrow morning. Chodo. I don't have a green thumb, but yeah. um, I'm gonna enjoy learning the process of it and giving back. And I like that. I I like that I'm able to learn new things. And I'm learning that, you know how when we were young, you would like take like a karate class or a dance class. And there was always that expectation that you were doing it to excel in it. So you could write about it on a college application right. or do whatever. Like right. you can do things without a sense of achievement tied to it. Right. Like have an inner competitiveness. Right. Well, life, like there's no score chart at the end of it. Yeah. Like I can garden and like I kill every plant that I've ever owned. Yeah but I can still try to learn how to do it. Right. Like I'm never going to be like a marathon. Well, I don't know. Like I've surprised myself here. Yeah. I'm never going to be an Olympic runner, but I can still be a runner. Right. And so that's what I'm really enjoying about life right now. Like being able to experience all of that. Thank you everybody for watching this episode of Iconic Conversations. Um, but before we go, Sanka, I just want to say, man, I have so much, you already know I always gush about you. Whether like give you your flowers, on camera, off camera, <laughs> text, not text. But the only words that I have to say is that I love you and I'm grateful for you. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you, um, and it's a privilege and an honor to know you. Likewise. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Hope you were able to take something away from this. Until next time, follow Iconic Conversations on Instagram and Tava Multimedia Group on Instagram as well. Share with your friends, family, or anybody else who you think needs this conversation. Until next time, peace.